This is Off the Fence and Finding Your Voice podcast. I am a boy mom. I am hard-headed. I am emotional. I am loving. And I will fight for you. I am very passionate about so much about self-advocacy and truly, truly living your best authentic life. So the past three years, I've been on my own personal health journey and it has forced me to learn so much that I truly wasn't even ready to learn or unlearn, I should say. And so this podcast is really me going through the journey of doing those things, learning and unlearning, and getting off the fence about topics that I never even imagined I would get off the fence about, and truly tapping into my voice. So I say finding my voice, but my voice was never lost. I just wasn't tapped into it. So tune in here every Monday and get your cup filled. And I just want to encourage you to not necessarily think like me, but to be your own self-advocate and get off the fence about crap that's going on in your life, raise your voice, and take back your life. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Let's get started. Okay, so I'm super excited about today's episode because we are going to be talking about foster care and I have brought in one of my very best friends. Her name is Molly and she truly has a heart for fostering. She's also an Enneagram too, if you guys even care about that. So she's just a natural helper, a natural server, and she has um, a servant heart and she's a sister in Christ with me and I'm just so happy and excited to have her on my podcast today. So we're just going to get started into this. So um, Molly, why did you even like, what even, why did you even like get interested in fostering? Like what age did that get laid on your heart? Um, yeah, so when I was 13, I um, knew that I was going to be a foster parent one day, and I think people will probably think that's a little soon. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's real young. (laughs) Yeah, that's so young, but my parents growing up, we weren't licensed foster parents, um, or they weren't, but we took kids in all the time, um, teenagers, to live with us, and I just love that, like, we were able to help other families out, and so that kind of led to me going, okay, so they were technically foster parents? Yes, but not licensed foster parents. Okay, okay. Yeah, so we, they would take like friends that we had from school. This is like the blind side. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no. Um, so they would do that and just help out, you know, kids in our community. And so I just decided at 13 that I was going to be a foster parent. That's awesome. So that, that's been laid on your heart. And then you started the journey of becoming licensed like officially with the state after you got married to Joe is that right yes yes so when when I met Joe that was our biggest discussion was like are you okay with that because if you're not okay with fostering then we're not getting married non-negotiable thing because I knew that's where God had called me so we started we were nine months 
months into our first year of marriage when we started the process to get licensed. We are not parents um, of biological children, so I just want to put that out there. You do not have to be a parent to be a foster parent. Yeah. Okay, so what does that even look like, like becoming licensed? And if someone listening to this wanted to get licensed, what would they even do? Okay, so we live in the state of Mississippi. So our license process looks a little different from other states. Um, But you need to first contact your Child Protective Services because they're the ones who you're going to get set up with a social worker. Um, Have you had a good experience with CPS? Yes. My CPS experience has been awesome. We were given, I think, the greatest social worker of all time. Yeah, so she's been awesome, and they just kind of guide you. I don't know how other states are, and we had a lot of paperwork, classes to take, and then home studies where they come into your home and just check everything out, make sure you don't have, you know, things that could hurt children everywhere, and they look at your finances, Um, so it's a little private, a little private things, Um, but Other than that, it's pretty simple. We were licensed in about four months, I think, four or five months after, not even. Um, So we've been licensed for a complete year now. Okay, so for someone like me who's not really thought a whole lot about fostering, I'm sure there's other people who are, like, similar to me. What would you say to someone like that? Like, why is this so important? Why do you think Jesus, who do you think Jesus is calling to do this? Like, do you think you're special or do you think that this is something everyone could do um and why is it important in our society today does that does that question make sense yes it does so statistically there are over 440,000 children in our foster care system as of 2019 so you can only imagine how many are in our system now in 2020 um so I feel like Jesus calls all of us to foster and that's gonna look different for everyone. I don't think everyone is called to open their home up to foster children um, just because they do come with a lot of different things. They come with behavior issues, emotional issues, and those that's not for everyone to be able to deal with. Um, but I feel like as someone who, as a, a Christ follower, we're all called to help these children in some way. So that might be reaching out to foster parents and like saying, hey, what can I help you with financially? Because they're taking on a whole expense of a new child. You get, you know, we got our two-year-old and we had nothing for two-year-olds. So you have to get that all in one day. Um, Or you get a newborn or a 17-year-old. And so you can definitely help financially. And then just like offering, hey, I'll babysit for an hour and you can go and go to the grocery store by yourself or just have alone time with, you know, your husband or wife. So there's so many things you can do as um, to support that doesn't require you to actually open your home up. Right. That's awesome. So there are tons of different outlets for people to really get plugged in to love on these kids. That's almost half a million kids. So what, do you know anything about like what that looks like for them, Um, the half a million kids who are in foster care, if they're not in like a good home, like what what are they doing? If they're not in a good foster home? Yeah. Um, So if they're not in a good foster home, they're getting put in different foster homes. Most children are, 
especially older, you, you get children who are zero to five and those pretty much stay in the same foster home until they are reunified with their birth parents. Okay, this might be silly. I'm like picturing like orphanages that I've seen like on movies and stuff. Is that like a real thing? I mean, yes, and it is. I mean, there are orphanages, obviously, but orphanages are for children who don't, don't have parents, parents. right yeah and so whereas in foster care the main goal of foster care is to reunify now there are are like teenagers a lot of times can go to group homes because people don't want to foster teenagers because they come with a lot of different things that people just are scared to deal with and so they could go to a group home and that would kind of be that orphanage picture that you're mm-hmm. getting but no they're in homes and they're getting to um, you know, be with families that hopefully care for them. I, I will say that a lot of times, like, those teenagers get passed around from foster home to foster home because... So sad. Just, yeah, and it's sad. You know, there's over 30,000 um, teenagers that aged out of the foster care system from ages 18 to 21 last year. And, and then they're, they're probably statistically going to be like not get plugged into the resources that they need to like colleges right. they're probably choosing right. drugs and alcohol and right. over so sad and make no money like over half and then if they do make anything they make about $7,500 a year after that but they never find like a forever family you know and it's it's so sad to think about you know remember yourself at 18 years old you needed a family Heck still. Yeah. you needed that support and so for them not to have that that's why I, like I have such a heart for those teenagers because you, we've got to help them to yeah. know what to do. Mm-hmm. That is so sad. And then I'm sure, I don't know what the statistics are, but I'm sure it is a statistic that the older the kid is, the less likely they are to get in a foster care or in a placement home. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know the statistic exactly either, but there's a lot of, you know, when you're licensed to foster in the state of Mississippi, that's the only state I can speak to, you choose which age you want to foster or that you're comfortable with. Like my husband and I foster zero to five year olds and we are in, we only foster one child because we have a 1400 square foot home with two bedrooms and one of them is ours. And so you can't use that as an excuse to not foster because (laughs) our house is small and we do. But we don't have the room for a teenager. There's no room in our house for a teenager. Um, And so eventually we will go up with that, with our um, age. But, yeah, you just, like, you can't make those excuses and um, of what you have or don't have to foster, for sure. If it's on your heart, you just got to jump at it. So what do you think, um, I feel like a lot of people's excuse would be that they couldn't do it because they already do have kids and that they are scared that those kids would like bring in toxic behaviors or that they couldn't be trusted. Um, I don't know. How could we speak to this for someone listening who's already um, crossed this off of their list of things that they would even be willing to do because of that? Like, what is some encouragement that we could, I don't know, shed some light on with that? Well, you know, for us, we obviously don't have kids, but that was very important that 
we started fostering before we had kids because we wanted our kids to be raised in knowing that we help other families and these people that these kids that you foster they're children of God and so we are going to love them no matter what you know what baggage they may bring we all have baggage but in my mind and like I said I don't have kids but in my mind I think about what if this was my child? What if I was making poor choices and my child had, you know, had some emotional behavior, behavioral things and no one wanted them in their home? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think about. And it's like, you have to know that, yes, they might um, come with some struggles, but we all have struggles and we are there to love on them. And you can teach your kids how to do that. And you have to do what's comfortable and best for your family. So that might mean, you know, that you do have little ones. And so you might not want to take teenagers or you might want to have teenagers. I know people who have littles and they have, they foster 16-year-olds. And I know people who have 16-year-olds and they stick with 16-year-olds because that they want them around the same age. It's really a personal preference of what you and your family feels comfortable, but you can't you have to be protective of your children, but you also have to, if you feel called to foster and bring these kids into your home, then you can put up those boundaries and talk to your children about what those look like with a foster child. Yeah, that's good. And then, um, okay, that was so good. So I feel like another question or a worry, a concern from someone else would be, that they might become too attached to that child. And I know that you've like you've been through that season and maybe you can just speak a little bit about that. Yeah, that was something that people said to us when we first said we were gonna foster was, Well, you're gonna get so attached. Like you're an Enneagram too. You get attached to everyone, you know? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I am gonna get attached, but why can you not get attached to these kids? They're getting pulled from their homes, pulled from their families, from the people that they love, even if they are being neglected and abused and all these things to get pulled from their family, they need someone to be attached to them. So yes, it hurts for you, but imagine what their hurt is because they're now being pulled from, they're being pulled from their birth family into a foster family, then being pulled out of that foster family who they could or could not have just felt fallen in love with back into their birth family. So they're being pulled twice, whereas you're only being pulled once away from that. And so you have to think you're an adult. You can manage that. You can manage that hurt because it does hurt. It's sad. I cried for days and still cry sometimes because I just miss, you know, our child. But it's like, Imagine what they're going through. If you, if they can go through it, and that's not a choice that they make to do this because it's not this child's choice to be pulled from their home. So you can make that choice to hurt for them and pull some of that hurt from from that child. Dude, that's a perspective. That'll humble you right there. That was good. Have you ever seen This Is Us? The show? Yes, yeah, the show, the triplets. Yeah, I don't know if you've, like, watched any of the latest seasons, but yeah. um, Randall, he he has a foster child, and yes. I'm pretty sure they actually adopt her, but it shows, like, yeah. the whole roller coaster ride of it, and it, it seems so rewarding and also so frustrating and yeah. heart-wrenching all at the same time. Um, so... 
yeah, adoption, is that like a normal thing that can happen with foster care, like foster to adopt? Do you know? Um, yes. So I think a lot of people go into foster care thinking they're going to foster to adopt, and that's choose to foster and my heart is so different on that because one in Mississippi that is not an option to check the box of foster to adopt anymore wow I wonder why because the main goal of foster care is to reunify the family um and so when you're when you choose to adopt them, that's great. And some kids do go up for adoption, but I think it's so important for people to know that when you choose to be a foster parent, that does not mean that you're going to get to adopt that child. And so you can't go in with the mindset of, oh, I'm going to foster this child and then eventually adopt them because that's not always the case. In some cases it is, but I have such a heart for those birth parents and helping them. You've got to love on them too, because They've made some poor choices, and how how can you do that? How can you love on a false on the actual biological parent by being there, by showing up at visitations, and not being closed off and guarded? I think keeping a journal of what that child does while they're with you, and like showing that parent, um, and just earning their trust, knowing that you're not trying to rip their child away, mm. that you are there to to help them by praying for them, and just giving them so much encouragement, because a lot of times, these kids are ripped away from moms who didn't have a mom, or a dad, it, them themselves could have been in foster care, so you don't know their situation and their journey, so you're not... We're not there to judge them. You're there to just encourage and to let them be with their children and know that you are not there to rip them away. You are there to love on both of them, and you're there to take care of their child in a season where they can't. And if that is long-term, it is long-term. But they need to know that you're also there for them. So what is long-term? Like, if the parent never... Um, rehabilitates in a way that's like the state deems that they're okay to take their child back like how long can a child stay in one home without like they're technically not becoming adopted they're just staying in that foster home can they stay there for like 10 plus years or do they are they forced to hop around like okay you've been at molly's house for five years you have to move no they're not forced to hop around that's that would be either the CPS, the social worker's decision, or the foster parent's decision if they were said, okay, we've had this child for too long, or we don't want to foster anymore. Um, but if a child is in the system for a long time, it's really the judge and the state's decision of whether they are put up for adoption. And if you have the option as the foster parent to adopt, um, a lot of foster parents are actually relatives of the children. And so they end up getting custody of the kids because um, they're a relative. They're a grandparent right. aunt or uncle, you know. And so um, they don't hop around, though. The reason that kids would hop around from foster placement is because of the foster parent not feeling adequate enough to take care of them or they might have behavior issues or medical issues that that foster parent just cannot handle. Yeah, 
I just can't even imagine all the different things that could come up with that. Um, so, okay, and I have loved that we've been able to have this conversation together. I feel like it's an important conversation for couples to start having in their homes and that we need way more foster parents. And maybe this is a conversation even Zach and I need to have um, to challenge us and to strengthen our faith in God and to just be servants. So I kind of just want to leave um, any last words to you, encouragement or calls to action for people who are listening to this that think that they aren't cut out for this, that that's awesome that Molly's doing it, but yeah, not for me. Um, I don't know. We can just kind of spend a minute on that before we go. Okay, yeah. So, um, I know a lot of y'all probably listening have heard the scripture from 1 Samuel, and it's 1 Samuel one twenty seven, and it just says that for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Um, and I think a lot of times we pray this as women, especially when we're going through infertility, and which my husband and I are going through and have been um, since we got married. And so I have prayed this for a long time. And with that, with saying that, it could be that for this child I prayed, you might be praying for your own biological child when really God is opening that door for you to foster. Um, and so I feel like the children that we foster are those kids that I prayed for since I was 13. Um, and so I just encourage you, like, if you are in a season of praying for, like, a purpose and you really feel in your heart that, you know, God is leading you to foster, but it's so scary. God doesn't call us to stay in our comfort zones. Like, we are meant to reach out of them. And it is, if you aren't shaken in your boots doing something for the Lord, then you're not doing it right because it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, and foster care is one of those things. It is going to be weird opening the door to a child that you've never met. But it is rewarding. It is difficult. It is heartbreaking. But you will grow in your faith um, if you choose to open that door. And you will grow in your faith if you choose to open someone else's door and help them with that, whether that be financially babysitting just in prayer and encouragement to them. So I just encourage you, if you've ever thought about it, start pursuing it. You can always say no, um, but just pursue it because you never know what God is calling until you step out. That's so good, Molly. I'm so glad that you were open to having this conversation with me on this podcast and even educating me. Because, like I said, I haven't really done a whole lot of research. I think that there was a movie that came out a few years ago. Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, yes, it was last year. Um, Instant Family. Yes, yeah. yes. And so that was really um, my education about foster care. And then a lady that I used to teach with um, at the high school, she fostered. And I just remember watching her journey and... She would come to school, like, crying so much, and she would battle so much with the system 
not necessarily yeah. the kids. I think the kids were awesome, but the system. And I just remember thinking, like, yeah, there's no way in Hades I'm ever doing that because that yeah. looks like hard crap. So I think that this is a good conversation for especially us Christ followers to be having in our churches, in our small groups, and at home with our partners. So anyways, I just thank you for shedding some light and having a good conversation with me. Um, and I hope you guys learned something as you were listening to this. And I hope that you will accept Molly's challenge um, and encouragements that she said over and over throughout this episode. Please come back next Monday for another episode and let me know um, other topics that you guys would love to hear. Okay, so I have got to let you guys know if you are in the market for sunglasses or even a new pair of readers, you've got to go check out TonyBillsEyewear.com. You can sign up for the email list and you can get 10% off your very first purchase. The sunglasses was inspired by an Italian classic design found in vintage eyeglass shops in northern Italy. Each pair is handmade, one pair at a time. Like, who does that? So many places um, use factories, and this is handmade, so you know that it is made with great detail using Italian frames. Five barrel stainless hinges and premium lightweight 100% UV protection polarized lenses. And you guys have got to check it out. So let me know if you go to the site and buy a pair. Um, I would love to know.